The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another episode of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. This is, as the intro says, the Sports Ethos presentation. So, check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos. Online, SportsEthos.com. Basketball, football, baseball, fantasy, all of that you want if they have it. Make sure to check them out there. We, of course, are focusing on the round ball, specifically the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I am super thrilled, super pumped to have a very special guest. Uh, if you follow basketball, you know him from the Athletic, uh, Down to Dunk, OKC Dream Team, all of that. Uh, Andrew Schlecht. You can follow him on Twitter if you haven't been already at Andrew K. Schlecht. Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm good, Corbin. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh man, of course. I appreciate. I'm good. I'm I'm doing just fine. Um, it's funny having you on because like basketball is big basketball fan, obviously. But my favorite team is the Lakers, right? But okay. yeah. I've been a Rust fan for like twelve years now. So yeah. I've been a big down to dunk fan for a while, just because oh, thank you. keeping from afar Russ. And my theory, it was funny because I remember my one year I was like so excited to be a down to dunk listener was when um, right after the MVP season, getting mellow. Oh, yeah, man. oh, I was <laughs> so it's such a fun season or such a fun off season. The season yes. wasn't fun, but the off season the was off amazing. Season was, and I was so pumped. And my thing was, this is great. Like I could be a Lakers fan at the time. They were rough. I could be a Russ fan. I said, I just hope that Russ and the Lakers never join because Russ is going to yeah. go where he's going to go. Lakers going to go where they're going to go. And I can keep those separate and be fine. So this yeah. year, of course, that theory was tested. I knew it was gonna happen. It was horrific, but <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah, but just saying that. Big fan of obviously your work on the athletic, but even before that, draft content and such. It's really great. But um, Thank you. yeah, of course, knowing all things Oklahoma City Thunder. So I'm glad to have you for a bit. I wanted to just kind of recap their season or get a recap rather in 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 your words, kind of what you liked, what you didn't like. I think we all knew going in, kind of what to expect from a team that's still level one in a rebuild. But I mean, you're the expert here, sir. So I wanted to get it from you. Yeah, I mean, they they eventually got to where they wanted to be, and it took a lot of uh, levers being pulled by the end of the season where they had to sit a ton of guys to, to get the kind of record that they wanted, uh, which was very interesting. Um, but Shea had a really great second half of the season. Uh, Josh Giddy was awesome. You know, from the from the jump, he played really, really well. He's already one of the best rebounders at his position at 19 years old. And then the passing stuff is outrageous with him. And Dort had a good, a pretty good season. He struggled at times. There, he started the season real hot, uh, you know, shooting at the rim and then played pretty well at times, shooting it from three. Uh, but kind of had a so-so season and then ended with injury. And then everybody else kind of had a mixed bag. Like Poku had a nice end of the season, but a horrific start. Yeah. Trey Mann, similar, where he started really bad. Like in practice, Mark Degnault was saying that he couldn't get his shots off against guys. And then ended the season where he's scored, he scored 20 points in a quarter against Boston. We're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. There's, there's something real here with him. And then – 
I mean, it's really just a bunch of other guys that are just trying to make it in the NBA, man. I mean, they had, they, they rostered 26 total guys this season. Uh, and a lot of that was toward the end of the season where they were bringing in Jalen Horde for like a, like I, no one thought they had an, they didn't think they had enough guys for a game and they just signed Jalen Horde. Uh, and he wow. came in and played like Melvin Frazier was on a two it in the season. Xavier Simpson had a hot minute with the thunder. Um, yeah, just, a just another tanking year for the thunder where they're trying to get the best draft position possible. I get that. And I mean, we're going to get into that a little bit, but so they, they succeeded in that front, at least getting, I think, a nice spot in the top two of a three, four-player draft. We'll go on that in a bit. But um, that's interesting just hearing from the player side. I mean, I didn't watch as much OKC basketball as I was hoping to the season, but I did catch, like, beginning of the season, I was watching Poku because I had Poku dreams. And then end of the season, of course, you know, they're, they're playing. It's on. It's That's the time to watch. But, um, yeah. yeah, from the player side, transitioning more to the coaching staff, the front office, I mean – just general NBA fans, you think OKC Thunder, you think Sam Presti, um, yeah. you know, all the picks. Like, these are just general buzzwords that you know come with the Thunder. Um, but even with the coaching of, of Mike Dagonot, like, what are your thoughts on the coaching staff? And I guess to a lesser extent, I know you've talked about it uh, plenty, but of the front office and the direction that they're obviously taking the Thunder. Yeah, as far as the front office goes, this is going to be a slow rebuild. That's what they want. They want this to take some time just because they want to stack as many blue chip prospects on this team as possible. Mm. So some people feel like the rebuild could be over after this draft. If they get the right players, I tend to believe that they're going to try to try to extend the rebuild at least another year would be my guess. And then as far as the coaching staff goes, it's a mostly a pretty young staff. There's a a couple former thunder players on the staff, which is kind of cool. Uh, Eric Maynard being the one that people probably know best joined the, uh, the staff from the blue the previous season. Uh, and then Mark is a really interesting NBA coach. He's, I think he's really good. I think he really connects with the players. He's really young. Uh, you know, he's, I think he's only 37 years old. Wow. Um, he's the same age as like Chris Paul. <laughs> so, and he's such a, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, a lot of people just really like him. I really personally like him. I've gotten to know him a little bit and I think he's an incredible person and he cares about development maybe more than any other coach I've ever seen. Like he wakes up and just thinking about development every single day. And so he's perfect for this stage of the rebuild. And some, some moments from him that I just found funny is like, after games, he always kind of looks to see what the other coach wants to do. If they just want to wave after the game's over, they'll just wave. But there were times where like Jason Kidd came over, Chauncey Billups came over, and we talked to him about that after the game. And he's like, Yeah, he's like, listen, like those guys are like future Hall of Fame players. If they're not already in the Hall of Fame, I'm just a guy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, Mark's story is so fascinating, and I really I've been begging the Thunder to let me have him on a podcast just to talk about his story Yeah, because he, so he had this job lined up to be a professor before he got the head coach of the blue job. Oh. He was just going to go be a teacher at the university of Florida. Okay. And Sam Presti calls him and offers him the blue job. And he and his wife moved to Oklahoma city and he takes the blue job and he's the head coach for the blue for several years before he was brought up as an assistant coach and then eventually the head coach. Wow. Uh, so 
it's it's just really interesting the crossroads that he had where it's just like one phone call and somehow he goes down this road where he's a millionaire basketball coach. That is crazy. You know? <laughs> so it's 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 fascinating. Like I I love Mark. I love his story. I love his passion. Uh, and I love I love getting to watch him coach up close because the media seats for the Thunder like, we get to sit down on the court basically. Oh, so. Um, and it's it's so much fun just watching him coach these young guys. That is cool. I'm a sucker for a story anyway. I think always from like everyone just sees point B, and it's like okay, but how do they get there? And that in between oh, yeah. part is so interesting. I would have I did not know that. So like I'm like mm-hmm. oh, okay, rise. You know I th- I knew um the blue. Assistant coach mm-hmm. didn't even know, like a teacher that we would never heard or have heard of. You know, didn't play, outside didn't of, play college basketball. Whoa, was a like a manager um, for his team in college. So wow. just there's there's probably very very few NBA coaches that didn't even play college ball. Yeah, at least, um, yeah. So yeah. that is wild. What is like you said? Like you said, what a story. Yeah. Um, but going from that more, I guess you know the season that was and now we're right in the thick of the off season. I love how truncated is, but I'm sure it's busy for everyone, including yourself. So like yeah. looking at OKC, okay, season's over. They secure the second pick of the draft, among many others here. Um but looking at and this is a question I'm always interested in from people who like I'd say seriously analyze it, but what is your philosophy personally on like best player available versus team need? And I think that the OKC Thunder are a perfect uh I guess test case for this because you you know, right now you're gonna get one of Paulo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, or Jabari Smith. Obviously, who the best player is kind of goes from draft expert to draft expert all around, but also in the OKC Thunder, a team that outside of maybe guards, you, you I guess is a need, I, I would say. Um, yeah. Kind of what is your personal philosophy on that in general, and then how would you apply it um, to this specific class for, for OKC? Yeah, I, I think that you always go best player available. Okay. Now with this class, it's really interesting because I think the top three are pretty close. And so then you have to examine number one, like who are these guys personally and how would they fit in our market? Because if you're like the Lakers or the Knicks or whoever, you can just take, you can feel pretty good about taking anybody and they'll probably want to stick around. Uh, The Thunder really have to be careful about the kind of person that they draft, because if they get somebody that is itching for something bigger than Oklahoma city, um, you know, it's a, it's a humble place. We, we, the thunder are beloved here. If you want some place where you can go play basketball, be one of the richest people in the city you can live wherever you want. You can live the highest life possible in Oklahoma city. If you're making a million dollars in Oklahoma city, man, you are a King here. Wow. Um, if, and those guys are making a lot more than that. So like you can, you can have whatever you want here, but you don't get the same stuff that you do in Miami, New York, Los Angeles. You know, there's not a beach here. There's, there's just, we're limited and we're not going to get free agents and we're not going to get the glitz and glamor that all these other places do. So selecting the right personality, I think is just as important as like getting guys that are uber talented because you just have these guys for a certain amount of time. Yeah. So I, I think with those three being close, I think that they, the Thunder would have to examine like, okay, whose personality fits best and how who's most likely to want to stay for their third contract. Cause the second contract on a rookie scale deal, most everybody signs it. It's, it's extremely rare that somebody doesn't. So they're going to sign 
they're going to be in Oklahoma City for eight years. Now, how can we get them to stay for 12 or 15 if they're going to be great? Mm-hmm. Now, they were able to do that with Russ, and they actually got to be the ones to choose to let him go. Um, and then how do we do that again? How do we replicate that? And I, I think that's the question that you have to ask about who they're taking it to. And so a lot of people want to ask, like, why, why not Paolo Bancaro for the Thunder? Mm-hmm. And there's rumors right now that the Thunder are considering him, but I think you also have to, like, look at the kind of lifestyle that maybe Paolo would favor. And I'm not so sure that that would be Oklahoma City, to be honest. Um, so those are, those are definitely factors, especially when you're drafting Oklahoma City. Is like, who, who are these guys? What's their talent level? Now, if a guy who loves the glitz and glamour is – LeBron James level player, so be it. Take them. You know, you're not going to let your market keep you from taking a guy who is going to change the NBA. But if the level of talent is similar, then you have to take the guy that's more apt to stay. Um, wow. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a whole other layer. That you're right. Like in a small market, not just. What I was thinking, okay, who's the best player, best fit with the roster, but also like, okay, we want to keep this person long-term. We're looking out past the rookie scale. We're trying to see yeah. what type of personality fit. Wow. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm, thank you for the insight there. And I guess kind of taking that and adding it to that player kind of ranking, I, I know personally having having with, listened to a few other pods, but how do you kind of have the following big three in Jabari Smith, Paulo, and Chet ranked um, with all of that you stated, you know, moving forward for OKC? Yeah, I think it's – Chet, Jabari, Paolo, definitively for the Thunder. I think they'd be fine taking Jabari Smith if he's the one that falls to two. He fits them very well. They need a play finisher. They need a big. He does both of those things very, very well, and he's a good defender. Uh, Chet Holmgren, his representatives have already leaked to the media that they would like to be in Oklahoma City, which that's music to Sam Presti's ears. Great. Good. We would also like for you to be here too. So uh, I think, I think that, that that's mine. I don't, I don't have any clue what the thunder want because they don't tell anybody what they want. Um, they're, it's not like they're not in contact with people during this time. I think that they are. However, they're not telling anybody what they're doing. So if you hear about, Oh, the thunder love this or the thunder want that you just have to be super careful about what you believe and what you don't because mm. somebody wants you to believe it for some reason. And it's not Sam Presti. It's somebody else. So why does everybody want, why is everybody wanting uh, everybody out there to believe that Jaden Ivy is on the Thunder's radar? Like why? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it, it could be true. I'm not saying that it's not true, mm-hmm. but somebody really wants everybody to know that Jaden Ivy is wanted in uh, Oklahoma city. And that I, is interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure what the reason is. Yeah. That is funny. I mean, like you said, it's, I guess it's comforting in a way to know that, Hey, whatever smoke screens coming out are not coming from our team. So like, yeah, we can be confident in like nine, nine to 10, not even giving it any airspace because we know mm-hmm. airtime rather that that's not something where it's like compared to, like a team I know has just heard a lot about, like the Pelicans, the last couple of years, like yeah. all sorts of stuff. Where I mean, I'm a Lakers guy, so delusional fans, myself included, all sorts yeah. of. We could trade for Russ or Kyrie, not Russ. My bad. Yeah, so yeah. that's interesting, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Wow, but I do. I have one more question about Chet before just moving on from the him. Um, he's your ideal fit. Is that more? I would. I guess 
from what he provides on the defensive end of the floor, how would you see him offensively kind of adding value more than maybe like a trail, uh, trail bag shooting a three? Uh, I know he's a great finisher, but I mean, I've, I've seen concerns and have some similar about like the half court game. Um, mm-hmm. and kind of how he blends in there, but, but you I'm sure watch a lot more and, and know intimately like the, the potential fit with the thunder. So kind of, how do you see that going or project possibly, um, his play there? Yeah. I mean, Chet in a more like spaced out wide open offense that involves one of like the best passers in the league and Josh Giddy at six, mm-hmm. eight, and then Shea, who's just got a ton of gravity in himself. Who's going to, I mean, he led the league in drives last year. And the bigs he was playing with was like JRE and Muscala and Derek Favors, you know, add an actual legitimate threat to finish at the rim who will shoot the three. He will um, shoot mid-range jumpers too and can help lead the break. I I think it helps. The Thunder are going to not be a good half-court offense next year no matter what. They don't have enough shooting on the roster. I don't think there's anything that they can do between now and the start of the season to fix that. Mm Mm-hmm. They could draft AJ Griffin. That's not going to be enough. They're going to have to build a team that makes more sense around these guys. And I don't think they're going to do it this year. I think they may do it next summer where they start to add pieces that make more sense. Um, I don't really have a ton of concerns just because he can be the lob threat that they need at the rim. He finished almost 80% at the rim last year at Gonzaga. And you have a way more talented passer in Giddy. You have a way more talented scorer in Shea around him. And you're going to give him actually some space to work with. Uh, I, I think that he could expand his offensive role. Um, but again, the Thunder offense is not going to be a good offense next year. They're going to be bottom half of the league, almost certainly, if not bottom five. Uh, but they're going to have the room to grow and to experiment and to figure out what they want to be and how they can get there. Uh, I can tell you they want to play fast. They want to play five out as much as possible. And, you know, Chet helps them do that because he can be a guy that can pick and pop as well as pick and roll and a guy that can space out when they need him to. Uh, And then it will just be a matter of can they get the right pieces around those guys over the course of the next, you know, two or three years so they actually can have a functional offense. Uh, But, yeah, to me, he's he's just another another big piece to this puzzle that Sam Presti's trying to finish. And I think they, they're going to allow Chet to grow at the rate that he needs to. They're not going to rush him into anything. So if he's not a great offensive player next year, they're not worried about it. They're worried about what he looks like in three years. What does he look like in four years? That's more so their concern. Got it. The grout time is farther out than just the here and now. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Okay, so like moving from the draft and, and kind of going to what you said, looking out, moving forward, I guess it's not really a big thing, but are there any free agent archetypes that you would like Oklahoma to pursue? I, I doubt it's a major factor in this offseason and their team construction, but a question I was curious about. Yeah, I would say that they will not be using free agency at all because they have okay. a roster crunch issue right now. Uh, um, so they're going to carry probably 19 guys um, over the summer, and they're going to have to figure out who they want to cut. Um, a bunch of guys that played on the team a lot last year are going to have to be let go. So it could be via trade. It could be, they could just waive a few of them. A few of them have non-guaranteed deals. Um, so I would anticipate that they will draft two or three players on Thursday 
They will play those guys in summer league, figure out who they like, who they don't make some roster changes and their roster is already pretty much full. So I don't think they'll be using free agency at all this summer. You know, they didn't last year either. They just brought back Mike. They gave Shea his max deal. And then they pretty much had their roster set. They brought Vic Krejci over who's already here, but they brought, they brought him up from the blue and that was kind of what they did. And that's, that will be for the foreseeable future. You know, they're, they're going to have a few picks in next year's draft too. Mm-hmm. So they're going to add to that roster crunch again. And then eventually some of these guys aren't going to be any good. And so they're going to have to cut them loose. Yeah. And then they're going to have to start to really fill in uh, the team with real veterans that can really play ball with these, with Shea and Giddy and then whoever they take it to. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be interesting kind of seeing this, like you said, play out the way you're describing because even, I mean, I was a little bit younger, but from OKC's rise was so quick, it seemed, from yeah. like 2009 to like 2011, already in the playoffs and just hitting the draft and going that quickly where now it's okay. We are starting literally from scratch with this. Yeah, for sure. Definitely interesting. Well, uh, closing out, out the offseason, which is definitely going to be just transformative, I guess, in what you, who you pick now moving forward. But I'm a big superlative fan. I have a few just rapid fire to throw at you considering the roster that we do have now. Um, and at first I put them out the old core, but these are kind of basic, but I don't know. Maybe they aren't. So I just going to get your thoughts. Um, the first one is currently who is the, the best player on the thunder? I mean, you just be like, Hey, that's, that's our guy. Yeah. Shay. Okay. See, that was basic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's easily the best player. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's, okay. I think he's better than, than a lot of people realize just because, I mean, nobody watched him last year. Let's just be frank. Like, nobody yeah. watched Shea play. Uh, oh, he killed my, the Lakers several he times. He did. <laughs> that that half-court shot, I was, I was done. Not half-court, but essentially. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I think he honestly could be like, I mean, I don't want to put a cap. I'm still learning as an evaluator, but, like, I see right now, like, potentially second-best player on the team. Like, I think, like, he yeah. definitely just way he's able to initiate offense and, his offbeat, like it's not quite fast. It's, it's, it's he's a unique player, but I really like him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's great. Definitely. Now, now we got to go to the other side with, you know, rebuilding thunder. A lot of guys who you said, like probably won't be basketball players in the NBA. Um, who has been, whether you want to say worst or the guy who has the most to improve, however you want to put that, which player is that? Yeah. Taylor Maladon was easily the worst guy in the thunder last year. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Shot 37% from the field. Um, oh. He played the most minutes on the team the season prior, mm-hmm. and then he only played 900 minutes this this year. So, you know, he yeah. played a much lesser role. He got outplayed by Trey Mann, who took who kind of took his spot. I mean, guys like Aaron Wiggins took minutes from him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just an overall really rough year for Teo, who is still 20 years old. He could bounce back. He could be better. But to me, he's probably one of the guys that's going to be left out whenever this roster crunch happens. I get that. I have one player I want to ask you that I, I was really high on going into this year that kind of disappointed me. How far from Teo is Darius Baisley potentially on this? Yeah, I mean, they like Darius quite a bit just because of his defensive versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, he's got a ways to go. He is He doesn't quite know who he is yet as far as – what he's going to be offensively, you know, he shot 29% from three, yeah, only 42% from the field overall. He, he, if he can learn that who he is, is basically a corner three point shooter who attacks a closeout and plays in transition only. 
and then defends at a high level, I think he'll make it. Uh, the problem is he'll do that for a couple games and then he'll get the itch and then he'll try to take guys off the bounce and it doesn't work out for him. Mm. And so to me, it's just a, there's going to be, there needs to be a maturing process for Darius for him to make it uh, interesting guy. He's always, he, he's always saying a lot of really interesting things on the podium. So I like <laughs> okay. having him around because of that. Okay. Um, and he's, he's genuinely a good guy. Like I, I think he's a good a good guy, and I think he's really trying hard. Um, but the Thunder don't want to box in players, so they don't want to tell Darius like, "Hey, this is who you are." Yeah, they would like for him to figure it out in get some ways, so that he has the room to explore if he can get better. But you know, this this next year is going to be pretty pivotal for him, um, and he could be a part of that roster crunch too if he doesn't make. I mean, he's got to just be at least like a 34 35% three point shooter if he's not. Yeah. There's just not a whole lot of reasons to keep him around to be honest. Yeah, I get that. Such big if you can't stretch, you know. I yeah. definitely understand that. Um got a lot of young players. I, I guess Shea could potentially be that, but the highest potential um as of right now, who who do you like? Yeah, I think it is Shea. Okay. I think that he I mean, I think that he can be in the same tier as like Donovan Mitchell and players like that. Um, mm. which Donovan's like the best player on his team. Yeah. Now they didn't, they didn't ever make it to a conference finals, but um, I think he could be in that class of player. Okay. Uh, and then Poku still has the, uh, the ceiling of the best player to ever play the game. So you just never know. <laughs> yeah. You're looking for a unicorn in the draft. You have one on your roster right now. Not playing. Exactly. <laughs> um, as with the team that has a lot of young players, just a rebuilding team, a lot of guys are potentially slept on. Who do you think doesn't get like enough um, eyes, attention, words, like, you know, just among any category of play? Yeah, I would probably say Josh Giddy hasn't okay. got, I mean, he got some shine during the season, especially the way he played in New York. But you hit the offseason, like more people are talking about Lou Dort, potentially because of his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people talk about Shea. I think people forget how good Josh was during the season. I mean, he, he averaged 12, eight and six. He didn't shoot the ball well from three, but he shot almost 50% from two. He's going to be a really nice player and he plays super hard and he plays with a chip on his shoulder and he's super duper motivated to be a great player. And so I think that people might be a little surprised at what he can do in year two. And he's only 19. He's younger than a lot of the guys in this current draft, like he's younger than Chet Holmgren. Um, He's younger than a lot of the guys that are going to go in the top 10. Like he's younger than Jaden Ivey, like two years younger than Keegan Murray. He's younger than Ben Matherin. He's younger than Johnny Davis, Mark Williams, like all these guys. (laughs) He's a lot younger than all these guys. So Mm. just imagine what he would look like if he were coming into this draft. You know, I think that he would probably go in the top 10 in this draft too. And he's already had a year of experience and a year to be a pro. And he's going to have an entire summer to get better. And I have no doubt that he's going to put the work in. So I know that he's somebody that definitely fell off the radar because of the injury at the end of the season. But I think people may be surprised at what they see from Josh at the beginning of next season. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm about to say it looks like a second year jump is in play uh, for Giddy yeah. for sure. Uh, and then um, just in the superlatives, who is, you're the no, 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 yes player. I put interpret as you like, but we all know one of those guys. 
Yeah, it's Lou Dort for sure. <laughs> okay. He's he takes a I mean, if you he took seven point seven threes per game last year. Whoa. I mean Mass that's high. crazy. I mean he shot thirty three percent. There were there was a point in the season where he was shooting over forty percent and that fell off quite a bit afterwards. But mm. yeah, he's willing to take whatever shot he is. I mean, he takes big risks on defense too. I mean, there was the the game where he stripped De'Aaron Fox with five seconds to go. They're down one, stripped the ball from De'Aaron Fox, took it coast to coast and you know, made a layup to win the game. Wow. I mean, he's, he's just, and Mark always talks about him. Like he's I'm trying to remember how he phrases it. Mm-hmm. But he says something like, basically like he is like, so in the game, it's like almost like he's blacked out and just like in the basketball game. And there's, you can't take him out of it, you know? Wow. Whereas like with Darius, like Darius is like all over the place. Poku is all over the place. Um, but like Dort is just like in the game. Locked. Like, yeah. Crazy locked in. I get that. That's, yeah. that's cool. Wow. And that's funny that you said that. Cause he did kind of transform to a three point bomber. I did not know how many exactly that's that. Not sure I put him up. <laughs> yeah. He took, he took almost 400 threes last year. Wow. Yeah. And he only played 50 games. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah, the math on that, that's wild. Well, Andrew, I got to close out here. I asked all first-time guests this, but I think it's such an interesting question. Who are your top five favorite players of all time? Um, I went to Summer League last year. I had my phone with my wallpaper, and it was Russell Russell Westbrook, Tay Rozier, Michael Beasley, um, Latrell Sprewell, and Monte Ellis. And (laughs) a guy had asked me, like, who are those players? And I was, like, paying attention, but not really. Oh, those are, like, my top five, like, best players of all time. He's like, like what and i was like oh i mean my top five favorite and i know he was judging but like listen i like the crazy guys the no no yes guys like those are mine but i'm interested i mean big basketball fan general obviously diehard okc fan you've watched a lot of great players through you know come and go out of okc in general who are your top five just favorite for any reason i'm curious the whole vibe squad uh shaquille o'neal is definitely my favorite player ever that's what i grew up on okay he's he was my favorite player growing up um I'm a huge Dion Waiters guy. I've always loved Dion. Philly cheese. <laughs> yes. More so for the off-court antics and just the fact that he beat that Warriors team in Miami on the at the buzzer. Yeah. That will always be near and dear to my heart. Um big Earl Boykins guy as well. Um okay. the, it just looked like a child out on the court. He's five <laughs> feet tall. It was unbelievable. Um, loved watching him play for the Nuggets. It's just amazed me that he could just go and get buckets against guys. I mean, yeah. just unbelievable. Uh, I love Carmelo Anthony. I was always a big mellow guy when he came to Oklahoma City. I was so excited, and he still to this day is the coolest person I've ever been in the room with. Like wow. he's easily the coolest guy, and he's cool because he makes you think that you're cool too when you're talking to him. You know, Russ makes you think like you're a pile of dirt, um, yeah. but Mello makes you feel like you're cool when you talk to him. So that is dope. definitely one of my favorite guys. Um, number five. I'll just I'll just say I love talking to Mike Muscala. So I'll say okay. Mike Muscala. Just he's he's just a whatever player, but yeah. he's an he's just a he's just a dude and he's fun to talk to. And so I'll put Mike there for now. Also shout cool. out to Mike's dad. Who's like super active on Twitter. And Mike isn't even on Twitter, which is the most hilarious <laughs> dynamic. So, yeah. That, that yeah. has to be funny. 
Wow. Well, Andrew, this has been a blast. I do appreciate you taking the time talking some thunder. Um, interesting. Shaq, Young Waiters, Earl Boykins, Carmelo Anthony, and Mike Muscala is such an eclectic five. Yeah, that's a that. weird. That's a weird one. And I, <laughs> I really, I really like that. Yeah, definitely. And I know um, folks can find you. You're doing so much. You want to tell people just where they can find you. What's going on? You got a killer draft party. I'm kind of yeah. jealous about it in two days. Like, let us all know, please. Yeah, so you can listen to Down to Dunk and the OKC Dream Team, which is on Patreon. Uh, if you want Thunder content, uh, go listen to the Athletic NBA show. Uh, I host the show that's on Saturday and then the Daily Ding as well on Wednesdays. But during the offseason, uh, Dave DeFore and I are going to be handling that exclusively. So you you can hear me on there a lot. Um, yeah, and then if you happen to be listening to this and you live in Oklahoma City, we're having a draft party at Fassler Hall in downtown OKC from 6 to 10 and it's going to be amazing. It's you, you have to be there if you live in Oklahoma city and you love the thunder. Yeah. That, that sounds really, really dope, man. Wow. Well, thank you again, Andrew. I do appreciate it. Um, folks, you can find me on Twitter. If you want to at Corbin MBA, um, check out of course, sports ethos on Twitter at sports ethos online, sports ethos.com. Uh, we got to go. We got some more great stuff coming up this week. The draft is here. Time you listen to this. So it's really going to be dope. I'm super pumped. But we got to go. So for Andrew, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. And I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.